for removing her headscarf in public in the streets of Iran, she was jailed, beaten, and brutalized. Her name is Shaprak Shajarizadeh. Shaprak was active in grassroots movements that challenged the regime's oppression of women in Iran. She was arrested for opposing the law that makes it compulsory for women in Iran to wear a headscarf in public. After being persecuted by the authorities, she managed finally to flee Iran. Now, having been granted asylum in Canada, she's outspoken in the fight for human rights in Iran. In 2018, the BBC named her one of the 100 most inspiring and influential women around the world. Shaprak is also a senior fellow at the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. And recently, she co-authored a book in French about her struggle, Freedom is Not a Crime. Shaprak, thank you for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm really grateful for inviting me uh, to your uh, program and uh, letting me talk about Iranian women um, to your audience and to the world. Thank you. I wanted to talk to you because I've been reading your book and I've been really impressed by what you uh, impressed by your reaction to the Iranian regime and how you withstood it. I want to just bring out some of the what it's like to live under a regime that is theocratic, that really puts religious rules in place, just to get a perspective of so what your experience was like, and then just to widen it a bit to what is typical for women under those rules. And mainly because you, you really stood up to those rules. So maybe we can start with this. You know, I was really struck in your book that you say uh, that the Iranian regime, and I'm translating from the French, I hope I got it right, uh, the Iranian regime would rather see its women dead or silenced than free. And you grew up uh, in the post-revolutionary period in Iran. So tell us a bit about what it's like, what, what, what the religious rules are that, that women are subjected to and how these rules are enforced. You live in fear. In, in all the countries, um, police officers are kind of, for women, it's kind, kind of... A protection in the streets, in public. When you see a like, police car, you feel safe in other countries. When I was um, like traveling abroad um, outside Iran, it was like that for me too. But inside Iran, uh, when, when a woman is out in public, um, we never feel safe because it's a matter of time that maybe someone a, a, a police officer, one of those uh, special um, forces um, for uh, um, arresting women, they call it morality police or gashte ershad. Um, it's, uh, it's like a living, a living um, like um, under the shadow of fear. And um, at the same time, eventually you learn when you grow up, you learn that you don't have many rights and you have to compromise with this. When you're uh, like when um, in a certain age, when you're a teenager, you learn that you cannot ride a bicycle anymore because you're a woman. And when your body is growing, um, they're gonna arrest you uh, for riding a bicycle. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not written in law. Um, it's not written anywhere that women can't ride bicycles, but that's the way it is. Um, eventually, you learn that you are different from uh, from boys, um, and um, when you like when you grow up, you learn that um, you cannot. If you 
if you get married, you cannot uh, get divorced easily. Uh, you cannot, you can lose your child if you get uh, divorced. That's the, like, eventually you learn that's the way it is. But at the same time, um, even I, like before I get arrested in my book, I, um, I told um, people that uh, for, for my first marriage, even though I, I knew that I don't have, uh, like, I don't have uh, the rights as men. Um, in the courtrooms, I was surprised to see how they treat me. I was a normal woman, but they don't treat women who want to have a different life. Getting a divorce is not, for example, is acceptable but by those people. So when you were in the courtroom, um, your testimony, your husband, your former husband's testimony, are they equal in the court of law? No, no, no. The, um, in my case, the, the judge even didn't let me talk. He wouldn't let me talk in my case. But, uh, but you know, uh, it, even though uh, in the cases that the, the, uh, the husband is um, violent against um, um, uh, his uh, wife, uh, it's just a matter of uh, like they can have many excuses. One of them is uh, uh, hijab. Um, even though for many people, uh, like uh, they are okay with their wives not wearing hijab, but um, they can use it in court against women. They can use many things. For example, I ask you, I ask, for example, um, a, a husband can say, I ask her not to uh, go visit her parents and she doesn't listen. Because based on uh, Sharia law that, uh, that is uh, like practice in our law, um, we, men are um, considered as women's guardian and we have to obey our husbands when we get married. Before that, we have to obey our fathers. And that's why when uh, someone um, kill uh, their, their daughters or their wives, uh, honor killing in, in those cases, they don't get uh, the same sentences uh, for, um, they don't get, uh, in Iran, we have that penalty. But, or, um, but in this case, uh, they get like, a few, a few years, one, two, for, for brutally killing a woman, for honor killing. You say in, in your book that at a certain age, you just realize that even though the society and the government are pushing everyone to obey Islamic religious law, you yourself decided it wasn't really, you didn't find it resonant with you, you weren't believing, uh, and that you also didn't want to abide by the by the, the the requirement of wearing a hijab so you, you started you got more involved in the, the this uh, grassroots movement which I'd like you to tell us more about so the white Wednesdays tell us about what that what was the inspiration for that and how did it work uh, for me white Wednesday is uh, like um, was like a um, start a window for being involved in a, um, um, a movement uh, and um, it's been some a few years that's uh, like around the world that social media helped uh, the movements, and it was uh, like um, the first movement that um, asked um, everybody, uh, ordinary women, 
to get involved. I was um, very like fascinated by by women's movement around the world, and I was I was looking for an opportunity to to get involved as an um, because um, in that in that um, specific time I had realized that um, uh, it, um, if you wait for um, other people activists like the the elite uh, part of the society to do something uh, for you that that's not gonna happen and uh, like reading and, um, and reading books and watching films about uh, women's movement around the world especially suffragette movement um, I realized that I'm um, like ordinary people um, have to be involved uh, to change um, to change the laws, and um, for me, um, for like for Iranian women, um, opposing hijab is not just uh, opposing uh, headscarf; is opposing uh, more than forty years of violence um, um, following that rule. So tell me, so the, the progression, if I understand correctly, is that at a certain point, this grew and it became really prominent. And so the one of the women that made headlines, I, I read about this, I remember at the time, her name was Vida Movahad. And tell us about her and what, what role she had. Um, yes, the, the movement was going on for several months. And uh, like first, uh, the... News in other countries, then uh, like Iranian news in abroad, uh, they were everybody were talking about it, and the government was like fighting uh, back. Uh, uh, but uh, like after uh, several months, uh, this um, I can say mysterious uh, young woman, um, like uh, went on a, went up on a utility box in the center of the city. It's like downtown. And when the, like it, those places are so crowded and uh, like moved her head a scarf on the stick. And it was just, uh, I, it was fascinating. And uh, like the way he, he, she did that and like having it like a white flag and like standing up, uh, like it changed the whole, uh, a concept of uh, our protest, and it was like a, a street performance, like standing uh, against the government and uh, say to, to to the authorities' face that this is it. I'm a woman, and uh, and uh, I'm peacefully protesting against the hijab. And uh, she was uh, during that time for a while. She, nobody uh, uh, nobody knew. Um, who she was um, after like um, uh, a few weeks, um, I guess after a couple of weeks, um, Nasrin Sutude and uh, her husband uh, went to that area and asked around and uh, like um, went to the police station and uh, found out about her name. Um, she went, uh, she was, um, uh, she was uh, imprisoned for one month in during that time, uh, but after that, uh, like during the time that uh, she there was no news of her, the movement um, got bigger, and uh, we were, um, I guess, in the news around the world. Um, and that 
like for me in that time, we knew, we, we um, ourselves knew that the government, the Islamic regime wouldn't, um, uh, wouldn't change the law. They wouldn't let us, uh, because that's their, uh, one of their pillar of uh, um, their um, dictatorship regime. Suppressing women is one part of this regime. It's just suppressing women, hatred toward uh, US and hatred to it, toward Israel. That's it. If you get one of these um, from the regime, they, ha they, have, they have no identity. We knew, but we like for me, it was like I wanted the world to know this is us. Iranian women don't believe in uh, hijab. Iran this is not our culture. This is, uh, we are living, um, when I was talking, uh, like I had many interviews during the, that time with um, foreigner uh, reporters and I was telling them, um, we are living like other women around the world. We are, um, uh, we, we are having a modern life, but the government forced Iranian uh, people to have a double life. And I'm just fed up of lying. I'm just fed up of pretending. And um, we want the world to know that this is uh, like Iran is not the, um, the Islamic Republic of Iran. Iranian people are actually different from the government. So I want to talk a bit about the very difficult experience you had when you you arrested a number of times. And in, in one of the, I mean, your book opens with a scene where you're arrested and your son is there. It's very, it's hard to 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 read that just to think about what the experience was like. Um, tell us about you know when we think about being arrested in the United States or in Canada where you live now or in the UK where I we know what to expect. You are arrested. You get to have a phone call. You can talk to a lawyer. There's certain things that happen. So just describe what your experience was like being arrested and what were the charges uh, put against you? Um, I was, uh, before that, I was arrested for hijab and I knew that there would be like uh, some slut shaming, uh, verbal uh, abuse and uh, something like that. But uh, like in this case, I was, I, I expected be treated like, uh, as you say, in U.S., like having uh, having the right to talk to your lawyer or um, having um, having your lo lawyer involved in your case. And for that, like two weeks before my arrest, uh, I had um, 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 it was like I had many attacks on social media, and like some people found out about my identity, and I was very worried. And um, uh, so I contacted um, Nasrin Sutude and asked her um, uh, and told, uh, and she immediately accepted me um, because before I got, even before I got arrested, my, like my face was all uh, like on, on the news. Uh, New York uh, Times uh, printed one of my photo. So when she uh, saw my uh, like my photo, she realized she recognized me and accepted me. Um, and I was expecting to have her involved, but uh, I was shocked. Uh, they wouldn't let you even um, call your family to to tell them that uh, you are arrested. Um, uh, and um, in in many cases, if you um, 
follow um, like Iranian uh, human rights situation in Iran, you would realize that the families says um, um, like our um, uh, our son or our daughter is disappeared for 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 many days. Then they they uh, they would find out uh, find out that uh, like um, uh, the guy is um, arrested. Uh, they wouldn't let you uh, like um, tell your family, let alone your um, your lawyer. Um, it's and they tell you in in their face that uh, that they can do anything with you. They can um, pin any accusation uh, on you and uh, like um, charge you with any any uh, like um, uh, anything that they want and. Uh, the scary thing is uh, you realize that uh, they actually can. And uh, when you're arrested in their uh, buildings, in those buildings, in uh, their captivity, no one um, is willing to help you inside there. And there's no one, uh, and no help. And, uh, and you're uh, disconnected with the whole world, with your family, with your uh, lawyer for days. Uh, and um, they put, uh, like, we threatening you, um, insulting you. Um, uh, they can, uh, they, they, they can uh, do whatever they want with you. Now, one of the things that struck me in, in, your, in your book, you describe when you get to one of these prisons, that there is no drinkable water. You have to open an account. Your family has to pay for this. Once they know you're, you're in the prison, there's no drinkable water. It's filthy. And you are at some point uh, you you were put in solitary confinement. Um, so you just before we get more into this part of, I just want to mention. So you you mentioned Nasreen Sutude. So for people who haven't heard of her, she's a, a human rights lawyer in Iran. It's quite famous, and and want to get back to her story. Um, but tell us about you know the the process of getting yourself to one out of prison and then. How did you get out of Iran, and what, what, what was the sort of the ultimate penalty that they wanted to, you to pay for your protests? I, uh, like uh, this, uh, it, this particular prison is the one uh, that I uh, was sent uh, the first time I got arrested. Uh, they sent me to solitary confinement. I knew my rights. Um, I was like I, I had read. Uh, about uh, my rights in the books, and I, I was always watching, like um, uh, uh, kind of those uh, for learning uh, English. I used to watch uh, like series, American series, um, NCIS, CSI, and I knew that I uh, they can't, uh, they they couldn't. Um, I couldn't imagine being sent to the uh, like. Um, to the solitary confinement. I wasn't, uh, my interrogation was over and I didn't do anything bad inside prison. So what, why would they send me to solitary confinement? But they did it. And um, during the, those whole time, I, I couldn't um, uh, call my uh, family members or my, uh, or my lawyer. And this is the prison that uh, they sent Nasreen a few months ago. Uh, and she got infected with uh, with coronavirus. Yeah, the the water is not drinkable, and you have and the prisoners have to pay for for water and everything. And um, uh, I was uh, like, the, I'm always say I'm I'm not one of those strong uh, 
person, uh, people. Um, I like before that I was like, um, I'm not gonna afraid. Um, uh, I'm like the others. If Nargis Mohammadi like could um, uh, tolerate the situation and uh, and uh, continue, I'm like. I'm like her, I'm like Nasreen, I'm like Naz, Nargis, I'm like Athena. But but like uh, reading about these things and knowing knowing about the, the situation um, inside prison is something, but experiencing it yourself is, is something else. Um, like being alone in a cell and not having anybody around, not having a book to read, all those negative negative ideas comes to mind rapidly. I couldn't I couldn't uh, go to sleep because of the anxiety. And after two, after after two days, when my interrogation uh, um, was over, I realized that they wouldn't let me. They 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 were um, uh, violating my rights, and I was very angry. At the same time, I had these panic attacks all the time, anxiety. Um, um, I couldn't. Uh, I desperately wanted to get uh, get the, the image of my uh, sons uh, from from my head. I I, I was dying not to uh, remember my son because um, I um, I couldn't breathe. Uh, uh, any seconds that um, her image, uh, his image um, would come to my mind, I couldn't breathe. So I decided to, I decided to go on a hunger strike um, to have some rights, to get some rights. That's, uh, I didn't have anything. Um, I, the, the only thing I had was, was my life. And, um, and it worked. And um, the first thing was I became um, like, it, it gave me a, a kind of strength to continue because I was uh, in a position that I was fighting back. Um, uh, and this, uh, and uh, after one week, um, they um, released me on bail. And uh, that was like, after that, in, in that, uh, after one week in the court, I, I, um, I had the chance to see my lawyer. And, uh, but even then, they didn't, they didn't let us talk to each other. They didn't let her... Uh, tell me like uh, what to do, what not to do. That's the that's the like basic uh, like that's the that's why you have a lawyer to help you um, with your case. But they didn't let us. Uh, the judge wouldn't let us talk to each other. And um, and I got uh, I got after one week uh, I got uh, released on bail. Um, and I was so furious. Like before that, um, uh, I was like part of a movement. But after that, I was um, I was very furious that they um, broke the uh, the laws and violate my um, like um, basic rights. And when I came out, uh, I um, I I started talking to people and. Um, with the help of social media and uh, live videos, I started telling people what happened to me. And I was very anxious. And that's why I got arrested um, again and again. And uh, like the, the turn, uh, like, and each time it got, it got scarier because the second time they arrested my husband and 
uh, like the accusations we were facing were uh, like really serious. And um, and the third time that they arrested me with my um, with my son in another city, like during a, uh, like a, um, relaxing vacation, it was um, it was very scary. I want to just turn to a couple of other topics. You, Nasreen has become more of a character in the story so far, and I, I want to uh, just share if you could tell us more about what her reputational standing is in Iran. You mentioned she's she was put in prison and she 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 contracted coronavirus, and she's I believe she's now currently on uh, she's been released on medical leave, but she's she's not she has a very long prison term. I think she got. 38 years in total and 148 lashes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And this is for all sorts of things that she's been doing in terms of human rights. Not was not a single case. Just the fact that she's been active and so there's multiple things. Yeah, for uh, like for in in specifically for um, our movement, it's like uh, support uh, supporting our movement and. But um, and uh, supporting uh, human rights, but basically um, uh, most of her uh, like if most of the accusations is uh, like she defending her clients. That's it. She was defending her cli- uh, clients for like in different cases, and uh, they were all uh, people, political activists um, or. Um, civil activist for me for me she's um like she was always um um like a a, a symbol uh and um someone um that i admired my whole life and uh, and uh, still uh, she's uh, she's one of one of the greatest um human rights defenders i guess around the world in your book, you mentioned a, an episode where uh, I think it was some Danish diplomats were in Iran, and I think they they chose to put on a hijab, and they were in the, I think they were asked about this, and they explained that they do it out of respect for Iranian cultural practices. Tell tell me what your reaction to that is. We get mad. Simply, we get mad. Um, uh, First uh, thing is they uh, like this is not Iranian culture. For for us, it's not Iranian culture. It's uh, it's um, it's based on Sharia law, and even uh, among the like the clergies of Islam, they have differences with uh, with uh, like um, describing uh, hijab. If if it's uh, uh, like um, um, uh, obligatory or not. And at the same time, are you practicing, uh, are they practicing all their uh, like cultural, uh, traditional um, uh, ceremonies or culture right now in 21st century? No, if we wanted to, stick to our cultures, uh, we wouldn't live in a modern life right now. We can respect our cultures, but um, accept the change. This is, this is um, like um, even a hundred years ago, we, we didn't live, um, humans didn't live like right now. They would. Uh, they had to respect, uh, like 
um, religious leaders. They had to respect their kings. Uh, but right now, uh, they even uh, if they have a king in their a king or queen in their country, they have the right to criticize their king or queen. So um, the whole thing is uh, like make us mad. And now after our movement, now that uh, many women are in jail for um, uh, for uh, protesting compulsory hijab, uh, like um, respecting this uh, law um, is kind of um, um, it just show show it it just show. Um, it shows that they are hypocrites. They talk about human rights. Uh, they talk about respect, but they don't have any respect for uh, women's activists who are in jail, away from their um, kids. So I want to. You mentioned in the book that like uh, like millions of Iranians in twenty, I think it was twenty oh nine. There was a the Green Movement, which was protesting against the the election fraud. A lot of people went into the streets, and I, I mentioned this because I remember it. I, I wrote about it when it when it was happening, and since then. And one of the things that struck me at the time, and I think there's a parallel with what's happening in in the present day with the, your protest movement, there wasn't the kind of reaction that I thought it deserved. So in in 2009, when so many people went into the streets to 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 tell the Ayatollahs, we don't we don't want theocracy anymore. We want something different. Want something better than this? You want some degree of freedom, and they, you know, people were shot in the streets. I'm sure you you know this better than I do. So I remember the reaction here in the U.S. was very muted. It was yes, we respect you, but you know, we want to leave the door open with negotiations with the regime. We don't want to upset them. And when I, in the parallel I see in what you're describing is with the protests uh, that you were involved with and, and they're still ongoing, there's a lot of risk that individuals are taking up on their own shoulders in Iran, which I think is very brave, given what the pen penalties are and what the consequences can be in that sort of the, you know, religious dictatorship. And again, I don't, I, my impression, and I, I'm curious what you think, my impression is that it doesn't get the same kind of reaction in the West. Just the reality of, so you told, you know, when we started the conversation, you told me about all the religious rules that were imposed on women since the revolution and that what that really means and the fear that you live under. That doesn't seem like it's well understood and that sort of appreciated how bad this is. And that, that doesn't seem to be in the West anything like the kind of, um, outcry that there should be uh, in response to this. What have you observed? I guess it's um, like um, uh, for me, um, there, 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 there are many facts, but two facts is uh, like are uh, the most important one is uh, like the the politician um, like claim that they care about human rights, but most of them don't. And they they are after their uh, like political agenda, and um, um, unfortunately they don't care about uh, like um, the lives of uh, innocent human beings. I was um, like I was very uh, like I I loved Obama very much in that time, and I was uh, looking for him to do something about it, to do something about Iran because. Um, he's he's a gentleman. He always talks about um, like human rights, and um, he's a great guy. 
but during that time, like he, he was silent. And the whole time we were expecting, we were looking uh, uh, for his reaction, for uh, like other countries' reaction. Uh, but um, unfortunately, they were silent. And that's the way it is. Uh, when it comes to human rights, uh, politicians uh, decide uh, to... Um, um, to not to pay any attention and not to bring it bring it up. Uh, and the next thing is, like uh, the term of uh, like um, uh, the, the the term of uh, using Islamophobia in the in the West, and uh, the way that human rights uh, activists like defend Islam is kind of disappointing because this 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 phrase is used uh, for, like. Um, uh, uh, for the first time by the Iranian government. And uh, it's great that when, um, uh, like, a, a right of a Muslim person uh, violates uh, violate, uh, violate around the world, like, all the people talk about it. Um, human rights activists um, uh, talk about it. Uh, politicians or um, activists uh, wear hijab to support them. But it's been uh, like um, three, four years that um, the uh, Iranian government um, is violating um, women's uh, right in Iran, um, having um, like um, sentences like more than twenty years for for a, for a girl who's, who's uh, for a woman who's twenty year, and the whole world is silent, you know. They don't care. The, the, those uh, human rights defenders who talk about Islamophobia, which is great, they don't talk about these women. They don't talk about these aspects of Islam. Mm, this hijab is, is a symbol of sexism, whether you like it or not. I respect the people who chose it, but if you chose it uh, yourself, that's respectable. But uh, but when they um, force um, women to uh, just women, not men, when one sex to do to practice um, specific uh, things, that's uh, that's sexism, and and the world doesn't care. They don't talk about it, and um, that's uh, like. Um, that's what makes me sad. And for example, wearing in uh, like a few months ago uh, during Ramadan, uh, some uh, Canadian politicians, um, women, uh, female politicians, wore hijab uh, to uh, to say greeting about Ramadan, and it's insulting. Like having a head scarf loose around your head, um, like for a few minutes. It's not. It's it's not a job. Why would you do that? It's disrespectful to the women who are forced to wear a job around the world, not just Iran. In other countries, uh, like in some Muslim communities, it's not the government, but the community itself uh, or the family members force women to um, to cover themselves and wear a job. And that's um, that's kind of um, like disrespecting uh, these uh, poor women who are under pressure. Um, 
that's why I don't know why the the Western uh, government are uh, the Western commu community um, are like that right now. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you mentioned the Obama reaction. I I, I didn't have great expectations of his reaction, what he, but, and so, but I was really disappointed even so, because uh, I wasn't a big fan of Obama at all, but when millions of people were in the streets and they were very outspoken about what they wanted. And to me, that was such an opportunity to say something forceful about whose side you take. As the, So, I mean, I, I came to America as an immigrant because I, I love freedom. I want to be part of a, a movement that celebrates freedom. And when I saw that, it was it was demoral. I wasn't marching in the streets the way you were, but it was demoralizing for me to see that that you know the leader of the United States couldn't take the step of saying to the people in Iran, "I'm on your side. You, you know, you are on the right side of this issue. You deserve the freedom you're asking for." Um, so I, I, I mean, my reaction was very profound uh, and negative and that and uh, you, the interesting the other thing you you mentioned is really interesting because i've i've encountered this kind of thing when i give talks and uh, on college campuses and other occasions it it is striking that there is there's a lot of concern about islamophobia which i think is so I, i'm i'm all in favor of respecting the rights of individuals whatever race whatever religion they are and and so on. so you know if if it's a muslim person who's being persecuted you know they have to have their rights protected I, i'm all in favor of that but that seems to have an outsized focus compared to the kinds of issues you've been telling us about which is people really risking their lives and risking their future to get I mean, we're only talking about a few inches of freedom. We're not talking about liberating the whole of Iran. We're talking about being able to go and be an equal member of society. Just, you know, not, you know, being born a woman in Iran is, is it sounds like it's, you're really at a, at a huge disadvantage with the- Not rules. facing violence every day when you're in public. Just mm -hmm. that for us, just not having violence, not, have, not having this fear that someone, um, can uh, come insult you, uh, like uh, beat you up and get away with it. Even normal people, like those religious people, they can re easily uh, like insult you or hit you and get away with it, let alone like those officers. We, we just wanted to end this violence against women. And but uh, like when they come into the uh, the agreement, the Obama came into the agreement with the, um, the Islamic Republic. We didn't see anything about like uh, violation of human rights. We didn't say anything about uh, have uh, people having the rights to uh, to have uh, demonstrations and rallies in the streets and even basic based on uh, the, their laws, their, the, the book of their law, we have the right to have demonstration um, in uh, public. Uh, but um, ev every time uh, people um, like get um, suppressed by uh, like the highest uh, measure of uh, violence. And last, um, last November was like the worst when they used uh, like um, automatic uh, weapons on um, in some cities around the world. But as you see, um, the world was silent, but it was good that um, at least the, the, the United States um, 
president, um, like um, that we we saw that they had at least the uh, the U.S. president was uh, like uh, care cared about it, and um, um, you don't know how much people, uh, how much Iranian people. Uh, look for any supports from around the world. Mm, normal people. Yeah, I, I was just going to say. I remember I heard you speak at a at the an event, and you talked about how sort of the the disappointment you see with the way the UN re reacts yeah. to Iran, and so Iran is is treated as this ordinary country, civilized, regardless of all the rights violations that are happening, and and. Um, I, I believe Iran was put on a commission having to do with women's rights recently. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It, um, uh, they had uh, like they had uh, the C, uh, They had the uh, women's rights commission in U.S. And uh, you know what? Um, um, in the United Nations conference, um, uh, the um, Iran's representative um, they come. And they lie, and they go, and uh, they uh, and uh, nobody like um, nobody cared to tell them that you're uh, you're lying repeatedly, and this is these are not the facts, and uh, it's it's actually if you uh, I don't know if you have uh, like um, watched one of uh, them talking about women's rights in in the women's rights sessions, it's um, it's like a joke when they talk about it, and uh, like. Um, a few months ago, um, the Iran's uh, representative was talking about violation of women uh, against women in U.S. And I was like, good to know. They care about the violation of uh, women's in uh, against women in U.S. And um, uh, that's it. They just lie, and uh, they get uh, the the United Nations and the board decide to let them so far get away with it. Well, I mean, to me, just as an, uh, sort of an outsider on this, it's a, it, to me, it's a real, it's a moral crime that this happens, that there's such apathy towards what's happening in Iran. It's a, it's a country that it, it really is oppressive. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I wish you well in your activism and raising more awareness about what you've experienced and what Nasreen Sutude is going through and what so many others in Iran are fighting uh, to get some freedom in that country. Thank you so much, Shaparak. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you so much. You've been listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. If you like what you hear, Leave us a review, share with a friend, and subscribe to our other podcasts. This podcast was made possible by donors to the Ayn Rand Institute. Help support this podcast by becoming an ARI member. Go to aynrand.org forward slash membership.